Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. See, this is the attitude of a steward. I'm just giving back to you a portion of what you've given me. When you start giving, it starts a supernatural flow towards you of God's ability. God will bless you more than you deserve. God will bless you and make things work better than they ever could have. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. This week, I'm continuing my teaching on financial stewardship. I'm actually beginning my third week of teaching on this, and I still have a few more to go. Let me just say quickly that this is our Thanksgiving week here in the United States. And, you know, amidst our cancel culture and things like this, I really encourage you to go and check out the true history of Thanksgiving. Uh, it's just, there's so many godly things and it's all being misrepresented and torn down. Some people think, well, what have we got to be thankful for this year? We've got the virus, we've got the riots, we've got all of these kind of things. Did you know that when Thanksgiving actually became a national holiday in the United States, it was during the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln, now they had observed it before that time, but I mean, when it was finally made a national holiday, Abraham Lincoln put out that Thanksgiving proclamation. And if you were to read it, it talks about we have been the beneficiaries of so many great uh, blessings by God, bountiful harvest and everything. And it was during the middle of the Civil War. And yet they found things to praise God for. I tell you, we need to be praising God and being thankful. And I think that this Thanksgiving is probably more appropriate than any other to focus on the good things that God has done for us and praise God that things are as good as they are. They could be a lot worse. Again, I'm gonna continue to teach on financial stewardship. And if you've missed any of this teaching, I encourage you to go back to our website. You can get all of the teaching absolutely free of charge. It's all there on our website and you can watch this. But I've been approaching this topic from a different perspective than what most people do when they preach on uh, finances, uh, on prosperity and things like this. And I'm not saying that it's always done this way, but if it's not presented in the proper way, it's often taken as just a way to for you to get money, for you to prosper, and it can be used for greed and things like that. But I've been approaching this from the basis of being a steward and I've already spent two weeks on this. I'm not going to go back through and teach it all, but I encourage you to go check it out because if you get a steward mentality, that means it's not yours. You are managing the affairs of another person. That's what a steward is. And instead of us thinking that all of the things that we have, our assets, our income, everything that we've got is ours and therefore it's just up to us how to use it, you need to approach all of this as a steward, that God, you are the one who's blessed us with everything. And I've used scriptural examples of David, Abraham, many different things. I've taught on this for two weeks and I've led up to this, but you really need to get it in its context and be looking at your prosperity as not being just yours. It's not just for you, but it's to empower you to be able to take these resources and be a blessing to other people. And as the money flows through, there's always pr plenty for you. God is not going to just 
USE YOU UP AND THROW YOU ASIDE. AS HE FLOWS THROUGH YOU AND YOU BECOME A STEWARD AND YOU START STEWARDING HIS RESOURCES, HE WILL TAKE CARE OF YOU BETTER THAN YOU'VE EVER TAKEN CARE OF YOURSELF. MAN, that, THAT'S POWERFUL, AND I'VE ALREADY COVERED ALL OF THOSE THINGS. I WANT TO GO BACK TO LUKE CHAPTER 16. I BEGIN THIS TEACHING TALKING ABOUT A PARABLE THAT JESUS GAVE IN LUKE CHAPTER 16, AND THEN WE WENT DOWN TO VERSE 9, WHICH WAS JESUS' INTERPRETATION OF THE PARABLE, AND THEN WE USED VERSES 10 THROUGH 13 AND TALKED ABOUT HOW THAT uh, YOUR STEWARDSHIP, BEFORE GOD WILL COMMIT TO YOU YOUR OWN RESOURCES, YOU'VE GOT TO, FIRST OF ALL, BE A STEWARD AND uh, BE FAITHFUL IN ANOTHER MAN'S RESOURCES. SO WE'VE ALREADY USED SOME OF THESE VERSES, BUT I SKIPPED OVER THIS PARABLE IN LUKE CHAPTER 16, VERSES 1 THROUGH 8. AND I WANT TO JUST GO BACK AND USE THIS. AND AGAIN, I WANT TO EMPHASIZE THAT THIS IS TALKING ABOUT A MAN WHO IS A STEWARD. A STEWARD DOES NOT HAVE THE AUTHORITY TO TAKE THIS MONEY THAT HE'S RESPONSIBLE FOR AND JUST USE IT HOWEVER HE WANTS TO. HE IS WORKING FOR ANOTHER PERSON. HE'S THE ADMINISTRATOR OVER ANOTHER PERSON'S RESOURCES. AND JESUS USED THIS TO ILLUSTRATE FINANCES. AND THIS, IN MY OPINION, IS ONE OF THE HARDEST TO UNDERSTAND PASSAGES OR ONE OF THE HARDEST TO UNDERSTAND PRINCIPLES, PARABLES THAT JESUS GAVE. FOR MANY YEARS, I STRUGGLED WITH THIS. THE FIRST PART OF THIS IS REALLY NOT HARD TO UNDERSTAND. IT'S JUST ABOUT A MAN WHO IS MISUSING HIS MASTER'S MONEY, AND HE WAS USING IT FOR SELFISH THINGS, AND HE WASN'T DOING WHAT HIS MASTER WANTED HIM TO DO, AND SO HIS MASTER WAS GOING TO FIRE HIM. HE TOLD HIM TO GET HIS BOOKS IN ORDER. HE WAS GOING TO CHECK THEM, AND IF it, WHAT HE WAS ACCUSED OF WAS ACCURATE, THEN HE'D FIRE HIM. NOW, THAT'S NOT HARD TO UNDERSTAND. BUT DOWN HERE IN THE EIGHTH VERSE, WHEN THE MASTER FOUND OUT THAT THIS MAN WAS STILL STEALING MONEY FROM HIM, BUT INSTEAD OF USING IT FOR JUST TEMPORARY THINGS, HE WAS GIVING IT TO THE DEBTORS THAT HIS MASTER HAD, AND HE WAS USING IT TO, IN A SENSE, BRIBE PEOPLE. THE MASTER ACTUALLY COMMENDED HIM FOR WHAT HE DID. NOW, THAT'S WHAT'S HARD TO UNDERSTAND. AND FOR MANY YEARS, I STRUGGLED WITH THIS, BUT NOW THAT I'VE SEEN, AND GOD HAS GIVEN ME REVELATION ON THIS, THIS HAS BECOME ONE OF MY FAVORITE PASSAGES OF SCRIPTURE. IT IS TOTALLY DIFFERENT THAN THE WAY THAT THE WORLD LOOKS AT MONEY, AND THAT'S ONE OF THE REASONS IT'S SO BENEFICIAL. SO LET ME JUST SAY UP FRONT, THAT YOU NEED TO OPEN UP YOUR HEART AND ASK GOD TO GIVE THIS TO YOU BY REVELATION BECAUSE THIS IS SO CONTRARY TO THE WAY THAT ALL OF US HAVE BEEN thought, have been TAUGHT TO THINK ABOUT FINANCES THAT YOU NEED A REVELATION FROM THE HOLY SPIRIT IN ORDER TO BE ABLE TO GET THIS AND APPLY IT TO YOUR LIFE AND REALLY BENEFIT FROM IT. IN LUKE CHAPTER 16, VERSE 1, AND HE SAID UNTO HIS DISCIPLES, THIS IS JESUS SPEAKING, THERE WAS A CERTAIN RICH MAN WHICH HAD A STEWARD, AND THE SAME WAS ACCUSED UNTO HIM THAT HE HAD WASTED HIS GOODS. AND HE CALLED HIM AND SAID UNTO HIM, HOW IS IT THAT I HEAR THIS OF THEE? GIVE AN ACCOUNT OF THY STEWARDSHIP, FOR THOU MAYEST BE NO LONGER STEWARD. IN OTHER WORDS, THE MASTER WAS GOING TO uh, LOOK AT THE BOOKS, AND IF THE ACCUSATION WAS CORRECT, THEN HE WAS GOING TO FIRE THIS GUY. NOW, THIS SAYS A NUMBER OF THINGS ABOUT THE MASTER, AND THAT IS THAT, FIRST OF ALL, HE DID NOT JUST TAKE AN ACCUSATION AND ACT ON IT WITHOUT GIVING THIS MAN AN OPPORTUNITY TO ANSWER FOR HIMSELF. SO THIS SHOWS THAT THIS MASTER WAS A FAIR MAN. HE WASN'T JUST IMMEDIATELY INCENSED THAT SOMEBODY WOULD SAY SOMETHING. HE WAS GOING TO GIVE THIS MAN AN OPPORTUNITY TO ANSWER FOR HIMSELF. AND SO THIS SHOWS A LOT OF THINGS ABOUT THIS MASTER. HE WAS A GODLY MAN. HE WAS A RICH MAN, BUT HE WAS GODLY. HE WAS FAIR. 
IN HIS DEALINGS WITH THIS MAN, BUT HE WAS ALSO JUST. AND IF THIS GUY WAS A CROOK, WELL, THEN HE WAS GOING TO FIRE HIM. AND there's, a, THERE'S THINGS TO LEARN ON BOTH SIDES OF THIS. YOU'VE GOT TO GIVE PEOPLE AN OPPORTUNITY TO ANSWER AND get, and TREAT THEM FAIRLY, BUT AT THE SAME TIME, YOU DON'T BECOME SO MERCIFUL THAT YOU ALLOW A PERSON WHO WOULD BE MISUSING uh, HIS POSITION TO STAY IN PLACE. AND I TELL YOU, I'VE SEEN PEOPLE ERR ON BOTH SIDES. I'VE SEEN PEOPLE THAT, MAN, ALL THEY GOT TO DO IS JUST HAVE SOMEBODY ACCUSE ONE OF THEIR EMPLOYEES OR SOMEBODY, NOT EVEN AN EMPLOYEE, BUT A FRIEND OF SOMETHING, AND THEY JUST IMMEDIATELY THROW THEM UNDER THE BUS AND THEY, they uh, LOSE THEIR CONFIDENCE IN THEM JUST BECAUSE OF ACCUSATIONS. MAN, THIS IS HAPPENING IN THE POLITICAL REALM BIG TIME. THERE ARE THINGS THAT ARE BEING TAKEN OUT OF CONTEXT, POINTS THAT ARE BEING MADE, AND IT DOESN'T MATTER IF IT'S TRUE OR NOT. A PERSON IS GUILTY BY ACCUSATION. THAT IS 100% WRONG. AND IF YOU WERE TO TURN OVER TO THE OLD TESTAMENT, I'D HAVE TO LOOK UP THIS VERSE. I, I HESITATE TO EVEN TRY AND GUESS WHERE IT IS BECAUSE I'M NOT CERTAIN ABOUT IT, BUT IT TALKS ABOUT THAT IF SOMEBODY BRINGS AN ACCUSATION AGAINST THE PERSON, THAT THERE HAS TO BE TWO ARE THREE PEOPLE TO VERIFY IT, THAT NOBODY CAN BE CONDEMNED ON THE BASIS OF JUST ONE PERSON ACCUSING THEM. AND IF A PERSON COMES AND ACCUSES A PERSON AND UNDER DILIGENT SEARCH IT'S FOUND OUT THAT THEIR ACCUSATION WAS WRONG, THEN YOU DO TO THE PERSON WHO FALSELY ACCUSED THE ONE, YOU DO TO THEM WHAT THEY WANTED TO HAVE DONE TO THE OTHER PERSON. YOU KNOW, I'M THINKING ABOUT THE CONFIRMATION OF JUDGE Kavanaugh TO THE SUPREME COURT HERE IN THE UNITED STATES. HE WAS ACCUSED OF SEXUAL MISCONDUCT AND THERE WAS NO COLLABORATION. THERE WAS ONLY ONE PERSON THAT MADE AN ACCUSATION. MATTER OF FACT, SOME OTHER PEOPLE THAT WERE PRESENT AT THE TIME THAT THIS WAS SUPPOSED TO HAPPEN SAID THAT IT DIDN'T HAPPEN. AND SO ANYWAY, THIS WITNESS WAS PROVEN WRONG. JUDGE Kavanaugh WAS PUT INTO uh, PLACE ON THE SUPREME COURT, BUT IF THEY WOULD HAVE REALLY BEEN FOLLOWING THE SCRIPTURAL EXAMPLE, FIRST OF ALL, THEY WOULDN'T HAVE LET JUST AN ACCUSATION THAT IS UNSUBSTANTIATED WITH NO MULTIPLE WITNESSES. THEY WOULD HAVE NEVER EVEN CONSIDERED IT. BUT IF they, if THIS PERSON DID ACCUSE THEM, THEN WHEN THEY DISPROVED IT, THEY WOULD HAVE DONE TO THEM WHAT THEY SOUGHT TO DO TO JUSTICE Kavanaugh. I TELL YOU, IF YOU WERE TO FOLLOW THESE GUIDELINES, IT WOULD STOP A LOT OF THE ABUSE, THE ACCUSATIONS, THE SLANDER THAT ARE COMING AGAINST PEOPLE TODAY. SO ANYWAY, I SEE ALL OF THAT IN THIS MASTER THAT HE GAVE THIS MAN AN OPPORTUNITY TO ANSWER FOR HIMSELF. BUT THEN I ALSO SEE PEOPLE THAT FAIL ON THE OTHER SIDE, AND THAT IS THAT uh, WHEN SOMEBODY HAS DONE SOMETHING WRONG, THEY'RE SO MERCIFUL THAT THEY JUST ALLOW A PERSON TO STAY IN POSITION WHEN THEY HAVE REALLY DISQUALIFIED THEMSELVES. NOW, THERE'S A BALANCE HERE, AND I BELIEVE IN GIVING PEOPLE A SECOND CHANCE, BUT YOU HAVE TO HAVE A LITTLE BIT OF DISCERNMENT AND ACTUALLY BE LED BY THE LORD TO KNOW, ARE YOU HELPING THIS PERSON? ARE YOU INDULGING THEM? ARE YOU ACTUALLY uh, VALIDATING THEIR MISBEHAVIOR BY KEEPING THEM IN THIS POSITION? OR IS IT GOOD FOR THEM THAT YOU ACTUALLY DISMISS THEM, THAT THEY HAVE TO FACE THE CONSEQUENCES OF THEIR ACTION? SO THERE'S A DITCH ON BOTH SIDES OF THE ROAD. BUT ANYWAY, THIS MASTER, ONE OF THE THINGS YOU SEE ABOUT HIM, HE WAS FAIR, BUT HE WAS ALSO JUST, AND IF THIS MAN HAD TRULY WASTED HIS GOODS, HE WAS GOING TO FIRE HIM. AND THEN IN VERSE 3 IT SAYS, THEN THE STEWARD SAID WITHIN HIMSELF, WHAT SHALL I DO FOR MY LORD TAKETH AWAY FROM ME THE STEWARDSHIP? I CANNOT DIG TO BEG, I'M ASHAMED. 
You know what this is, is basically an admonition or an admittance by this steward that he was guilty because he knew that when the books were examined that he was going to lose his job. And he says, what am I going to do? I cannot dig to beg. I'm ashamed. Now, the scripture doesn't explain this, but personally, I believe this guy probably could have worked. He could have dug. He could have had some kind of a manual job, but he just didn't want to do it. You know, this is something that you learn about people who aren't good stewards. They don't have a good worth work ethic. They are wanting something for nothing. They are wanting to steal money. And let me just make some statements here, and this may offend a lot of people, but I believe that they're accurate. And if this rubs you the wrong way, maybe you need to repent and reconsider some of the attitudes that you've got. But we've got a lot of people today that have a lottery mentality. They are, you know, signing up for the lottery. They are believing that they're just going to somehow or another win hundreds of millions of dollars or they're, they're going out and they're trying to get rich quick. They're wanting to invest in something that's going to pay them a hundred percent return in 90 days. And there is this mentality that is wrong. And as we talk about finances, I'm going to bring some of these scriptures in as we continue to go through this series, but there's many scriptures, especially in Proverbs, that talk about that wealth gotten by vanity takes away the life of the owners thereof. And there's many scriptures that talk about that in work there is profit and benefit. But if you get something quickly, you can lose it quickly. The Bible does not validate or promote a welfare, a lottery mentality to where you get something for nothing. It says over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 that if you don't work, you don't eat. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying that anybody could be in a situation for a brief period of time where they have something physically happen to them or, you know, during this uh, coronavirus that we've dealt with in 2020, uh, people have been mandatorily shut down by the government and things. And, and under extreme circumstances, anybody could come into a situation where for a period of time they need some help. And I'm not condemning that or criticizing that. But I'm saying that people that live with this mentality, they're second and third and fourth generation welfare people. That's a wrong mentality. It's not a scriptural mentality. And you can see that this man, he was a thief. He was not a good steward. He was not managing the money. He was taking his master's money and using it for himself. And when he was confronted with being fired, he says, I cannot dig. I'm sure he was physically capable of digging. He just didn't. People who are crooks, people who are not good stewards, do not have a good work ethic. They are looking for something for nothing and they just can't see themselves going out and working a regular job and having to actually earn money. That's an ungodly attitude. I was just with a pastor who he said that one of his grandsons was cleaning the church on Sundays, you know, in between the Sunday and uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night services. And I forget the details, but he was only getting like 15 or $20 or something, you know, for working in the afternoon. Well, when this virus thing came up, uh, they laid off part-time employees. So his grandson was laid off and he started getting, I think he said $700 a week or something like that through this uh protection program. And as a result, his grandson's thinking, man, why should I ever go back to work? Again, in a brief period of time and in an extreme circumstance, you know, I'm not saying that some of these things that we've done are 
wrong or sinful, but I'm saying long term, this is just a wrong attitude to think that you could do nothing and be paid for doing nothing. This man, see, he was not willing to work. And then he says, to beg, I'm ashamed. He should have been ashamed of stealing money from his master. He should have been ashamed of being a bad steward, but he wasn't ashamed of that, but he was ashamed to go out and beg. It's amazing to me how people have selective uh, conscience and how that they're ashamed to beg, but they're not ashamed to steal. They're not ashamed to go spend all of this money on the lottery. They're not ashamed to be second, third, and fourth generation welfare, take something for nothing. They're not ashamed to go out and have children outside of wedlock because they get paid for that rather than getting married. There's people that aren't ashamed of that, but then they're ashamed to beg. You should be ashamed of all of this. We ought to recognize that, man, the Bible talks about that in all kinds of work, there is benefit, but man, just getting something for nothing is an ungodly concept. Did you know that gambling, lottery and things, I'm not going to teach on that. I'm just mentioning this. You'll have to go verify these things on your own. But there are many scriptures that talk about this and say that it is an ungodly principle. And I know that there's people watching this program that you gamble, that you constantly buy the lottery. Did you know that if you look at statistics, again, I won't be able to quote them exactly, but it's a huge amount, 70, 80%, I think it is, of uh, all people that buy lottery tickets are in the poverty level. People that have a revelation on finances do not waste money on something that one chance out of 250 million, you're going to get something. That is just crazy. And yet there's a lot of people doing that. There's people watching this program that I guarantee you, you do that. And I love you and God loves you, but I'm saying that you aren't a good steward. It, if you're praying and asking God to help you to win the lottery, to help you win the publisher's clearinghouse thing and to get so much money per week for the rest of your life and all this, and you're using your faith and praying for that, God is not going to do that. God is not going to fix the lottery. He's not going to fix these raffles and make it work for you. That's dishonest. It's not going to happen. Somebody's going to win these lotteries, yes, but it's like one out of 250 million. And the statistics on that, again, I can't quote them exactly, but over 50%, the majority of people who win the lottery, whether it's millions of dollars or whatever, within just a very short period of time, they are back as broke as they ever were because the Scripture says in Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you are poor, man, receive this in love. I'm not saying this to be harsh or mean, but to enlighten. And if you'll stick with me, I'm going to give you some truths from God's Word that'll help turn this situation around. But if you are, a, are poor... It's because your thinking is poor. And I know that there's people, oh no, you don't understand my situation. There are people in every nation, in every circumstance that have been able to break free from poverty. And I'm telling you that if you were to believe God and get your thinking straightened out, God will cause every single person to prosper. I'm going to talk about this more, about how that increase in prosperity is just a godly principle. 
And so if you are poor, it's because your thinking is poor. And if you won the lottery, but you don't change your thinking, you are going to be poor again. The problem isn't the amount of money that you've got. The problem is the thinking that you've got. And you can see that in this steward right here. This man, when he was confronted, his, 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 misdeeds were brought out into the open. The master said, put your books in order. I'm going to check it out. He knew he was guilty. He knew he was going to be fired. He did not want to just go work for his money. He wanted to be able to just steal his money, to take advantage of other people and live off of their prosperity. And he said he was ashamed to beg. This man revealed that he had wrong attitudes about money and because he had a wrong attitude, that's the reason he was in this situation. He wasn't being honest. He wasn't being above board with his deals. And it doesn't matter if you win the lottery, if you go gamble and win some money, if you don't change your thinking, you're going to be poor again. And statistics bear that out. So the problem really isn't that you don't have money. The problem really is the way that we think. And that's what I've been teaching on. I've really emphasized in the first two weeks of this teaching about being a steward, recognizing that everything we have comes from God and that we are accountable to God for the way that we use our money. It's not up to us just to indulge every lust and every appetite. It's not up to us to just go in hot because people will extend credit to you and you get in debt up to your eyeballs and you spend the rest of your life under stress trying to pay it off. That would never happen if you saw yourself as a steward. So there are attitudes about finances that are more important actually than the finances that you physically have in your hand. And you can see that here in this steward. I'm running out of time, but let me just quickly go through the rest of this parable. It'll have to be tomorrow before I start getting into the real meat of this. But in verse four, he says, I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and he said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. So until this point, this parable really is not hard to understand. A man was put in charge of a, another person's finances and assets. He misused it. He was accused to his master. His master said, put your books in order. I'm going to examine them. And if the accusations are correct, you're going to be fired. And so up until this point, that's not really wrong. And then when he saw that he was going to be fired, he, he still used his position and he started calling in the people that owed his master money and he started discounting their bills from 50 to, you know, 20% and stuff. And the logic was that when he was fired, he'd be able to go to them and say, do you remember all of this that I gave you? And he, they would feel obligated to help him and he would mooch off of them. Up to this point, that's not really wrong. But then the thing that really makes this hard to understand, and once you understand it, that makes this parable so powerful is the master's reaction. Because instead of being incensed that he was still stealing money and giving his master's money away to people and using it to bribe them, instead he complimented him. I'm going to explain that on our program tomorrow. Let me mention again that I've got this book. I'm giving this book to you as a free gift, either the book or 
or the CDs or the DVDs. You can have your choice of that. But then we also have a package deal that has study guides, a DVD of testimonies, a number of things. If you'll listen to our announcer, he'll give you the information and I encourage you to please call or write and receive these materials today. Andrew is offering his complete teaching on financial stewardship in your choice of either a book CD album or DVD album as his free gift to you today. Go to awmi.net to order your free product today. This offer is limited to one free product per household and is only available in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. This teaching is also available as a companion study guide for a gift of any amount when you contact us or you can get these valuable resources in the Financial Stewardship Package. This package includes the Financial Stewardship Book, Study Guide, and your choice of either the CD or DVD album, as well as the Financial Breakthroughs DVD. This DVD includes six testimonies of people that experience the freedom of turning their finances over to God. This package has a catalog value of $115, but you can get it today for only $80. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. Or you can call our helpline 24 hours a day, 5 days a week, Monday through Friday at 719 635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of December, Andrew will be in Woodland Park to host the musical production, The Heart of Christmas. The Heart of Christmas is an unforgettable mix of biblical stories with heartwarming, familiar seasonal songs and American traditions that represent the true meaning of the season. In January, start off the new year with Andrew and guest speaker Dennis Burke in Glendale, Arizona at the Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference. And in February, join Andrew and guest speaker Jeremy Pearsons in Orlando for a Gospel Truth Conference. Then, Andrew will be speaking in Naples. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Do you want to connect with like-minded believers? Then Karis Bible Studies is the place for you. Find a Bible study near you by visiting karisbiblestudies.net. You know what, when we first got uh, on fire for God, it was like we gave to everything. And we actually set goals for ourselves to give in excess of what we've done before. And then we pray and we ask God and where to direct it or what He would have us give. And we just kept giving and giving. We never ever questioned, you know, shouldn't we give? Because the more we gave, the more God blessed us. And we were thrilled to be givers. We understood early on through Andrew's teaching and others that it was God's money and whatever came your way that we were just to be good stewards of that money. So we always let the money just flow from us to wherever God directed. I want everybody to know you cannot outgive God. From hippies 
to international business owners. Check out Rick and Mitzi Pudlow's financial story. Find out what's happening with the world changers at Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College today. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'd like to encourage you to check out our Gospel Truth TV. That's gospeltruth.tv. It's an internet-based television network, and you are not only going to get my teaching, but you are also going to hear instructors from Karis Bible College. You've got well-known people on there like Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Keith Moore. These are all people that are friends of mine. We have differences and variances, but we're all preaching the same thing, and it's a safe place to be. You are going to be blessed. So check it out. It's 24-7, gospeltruth.tv.